You're listening to the Pro Boy Podcast. Hello, Steve here, bringing you the second part of our 20-year look back over the Olympic Games. Uh, in the first part, we talked about Sydney, Athens and Beijing, which leaves us with London and Rio to talk about in this podcast. If you've not heard the first part, you can find that at pullboy.co.uk forward slash podcast. But without further ado, let's make a start and uh, go back to London 2012. So let's let's move on, Sharon, to your favourite Olympics. 2012 Yay. in London, home games. favourite, got to be. Oh, well, absolutely. It was, uh, it was a fantastic Games. Uh, and we're all you know, biased, of course, for saying it, but it, it was a, an amazing week uh, and a bit in London. Uh, what sticks out for you, Sharon, from the from the pool competition? Um, so, from personally, um, it would be the fact that as a host broadcaster, we were in position number one instead of position number one hundred and seventy-five, and in the men's changing rooms, <laughs> which is where I normally am, which has its benefits, but not when you're trying to get interviews. Um, and so I was in front of NBC and Michael Phelps became the most decorated Olympian in history. He won his 18th gold medal and NBC said, just like Bob said earlier, we're not live. If you want to talk to him first, you can talk to him first. And I got to be the first person in the world to speak to Michael Phelps when he became the most decorated Olympian in history. So from my perspective, that was a very, very special moment. And I remember as a little girl watching Mark Spitz win his seven gold medals. You know, I was only seven or eight and he had this big, big handlebar moustache and his row of medals across his chest from Munich and thinking, I want to swim. This is what I want to do. That was my eureka moment that I think all athletes have at some stage. And it just felt like my whole life had done this massive great circle. And here I was on the side of the pool interviewing Michael all these years later. So that was a very special, special thing. And just the general atmosphere, you know, that we put on the best show, um, even down to the fact that security all went um, wrong. I was going to use a word I shouldn't use then, but wrong right before the, the Olympics. And actually bringing all the soldiers in was even better because everybody was smiley. They felt secure. Um, they all just loved absolutely being there. People were happy on the tube. The only downside was the BBC were not allowed to be seen to be putting us in a five-star hotel. So we got put in a holiday in, in Chelmsford or somewhere and had to jump on the train and go in the opposite direction to everybody else. But <laughs> I, was stay, I was staying in student digs. What about you? I was staying in student digs. Thank you very much. Yeah, but that we, it was that point. We just hit that point with the BBC where we're not allowed to be seen to be spending any money whatsoever. Um, so they weren't. But yeah, that didn't even take any of the, uh, of the, the shine off the Olympic Games. They were amazing. We did an incredible job. So, Katie, you're obviously good friends with Becky. The run-in to, to, to 2012, she was the defending Olympic champion. She'd won the 800 at Worlds the year before, if I'm right, um, in a battle with Lottie Fries. Um, so, you know, was, was her attitude and everything very different that year from, from four years previously? No, I don't think so. I think as I think as Sharon says, she's very focused and is able to really focus on what she needs to do. However, I think there was a difference in that, you know, she wasn't unknown. In fact, she was she was very well known. She was everywhere, um, you know, in terms of advertising and and she was being sponsored by people and everyone wanted to talk to her, which I think is quite a different position. But, you know, ultimately, I think it just wasn't the meat that she wanted. I don't think you can point a 
finger of blame um you know suddenly you have this 15 year old who no one's ever really heard of in Kate Ledecky and you know no one had a clue at that stage what a force she would turn out to be um I think you know you just can't you can't predict what what anyone else is going to do on the day and she didn't do badly she just wasn't Beijing Becky um I think I mean my what I was there on the night of the 800 so so she she came away with two bronzes uh in London and it was it was incredible i can't even describe how many emotions there were in in the building that evening because obviously she was bitterly disappointed because she didn't feel that it was the best that she could have done she she apologized to the nation on air which is you know just a such a difficult thing to watch somebody do um and and then you just had this incredible moment where the whole crowd the whole stadium was just chanting her name and it was I mean, I think I was like, just crying, I'm really crying now. <laughs> um, just, just talking about it. It was just, it was just amazing. I've never seen anything like that for a British athlete. I've just never seen it. Um, and I think it shows how much people had sort of taken her to their hearts after Beijing and in the years after and how well she responded to everyone just in terms of, of how much everyone cared with her that she was having such a difficult time. Um, and also Olympic bronze medal is nothing to be ashamed of. It's absolutely incredible. It's just not what she wanted. And I think that that's sort of a show of her determination to, to be the very best at being disappointed with an Olympic bronze. I never okay. thought we could replicate the atmosphere there was in Sydney in 2000, to be honest with you. So I thought this has got to be the pinnacle. Swimming in Sydney in front of a knowledgeable crowd in Australia. Uh, I thought this, this is going to be it. There's never going to be an Olympic Games ever like this for swimming. London topped it. Mm. London topped it. And that's with our swimmers not doing particularly well uh, at all. Uh, the, the, well, they the just crowd, so many, didn't they? In London. Yeah. But the, the, but the crowd, but the crowd would just, I mean, let's, let's face it, pretty much every event that London staged in 2012 had that kind of reaction. But, but the swimming and the diving, which after I covered both, the noise was, you, 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 if you took your headphones off, you, you, you actually got deafened by the noise. It was that intense. Uh, and I thought, we've actually topped Australia in terms of the appreciation and the noise level that we've generated for a swimming event here. We did that and there was so much... There. It was incredible, wasn't it? I mean, the atmosphere yeah. the whole of the Olympic Games and the support that everybody gave. And what they, they gave everybody. That was what was so wonderful about the British audience, was that they didn't just do that partisan American thing. They loved everybody and they clapped yeah, for everybody and they were they so did. appreciative. And then when we had the paras, you know, they did exactly the same thing. I mean, I think the difficulty with Becky is that to come into an Olympic Games in Beijing where we knew that she was capable of doing a fantastic 800 meters, there is no pressure. You know, she still had in her head probably another Olympic Games after her, but this was where she was capable of doing it. In London, the expectation was, was colossal. And as you say, Catherine, to win two bronze medals is, is no mean feat. She's made four Olympic finals, you know, and she's come home with four medals. I mean, that, oh, that is extraordinary for, for absolutely anybody. But she was so, so heartbroken. I did think that the pressure got to Becky. She wasn't the normal bubbly Becky that I spoke to on the side of the pool pre-interviews. She was very, very nervous. And I watched her use all her energy up with her nerves. I could just see it happening right in front of me. There was nothing I could do about it because unfortunately she just wanted so badly to win for the British crowd. And 
it, it just got to her, you know, it really did. It's much easier to, to come in under the radar. It's much more difficult to, to reproduce when there's all that expectation. And then you make it home games as well. And the expectation is, is tenfold. Mm. Well, I, was, I, was... I do think that, um, sorry, <laughs> it was, it was a, certainly the swimming in particular was an Olympics with so much personality, like the success stories. We had Missy Franklin, you know, absolutely amazing. And she's, she's, a real a real personality in terms of you know she will she wants to chat to everyone and certainly at that point she was just sort of the happiest person you've ever seen in your life um we had we had Ruta breaking out at 15 and winning yeah. winning a gold we had Chad Leclerc and to a probably greater extent his dad um it was just you know there, there were stories yeah. everywhere yeah 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 I know and you, you know you can list all of that and, and forget to even mention him because there was so much going on yeah um and then you had you had obviously the British interest as well, which is something to add that we don't normally get to see, and uh, you know obviously made it extra special for all of us, despite perhaps not not always getting the results we wanted. Yeah, I mean we had so many close things again, so many fourths and fifths and sixths. You know, Lizzie, I mean Simmons, mm. so many people nearly right. got on the medal podium, and it was so frustrating. And then even Michael Jameson winning his silver medal. I mean, I genuinely thought he was going to win gold. Yeah, you know, I thought too. he had that mental attitude again, and that's something that X factor that it took, um, and it just, just that final few strokes just wasn't his. It wasn't his day from that perspective, and yet he still, you know, had an amazing swim, did a PB, and all the rest of it inside the old world record. Am I right in thinking that in that particular it race as well? I think right, he was right on it. I'm not sure he was yeah, quite under absolutely. it, but yeah, it was the it was, second, it was third amazing, fastest time ever, or something. It was an amazing race, and I mean, again, you know, he wins an Olympic silver medal, and he was disappointed when I did the interview and I love that you know this is a man that no one's ever heard of who wins an Olympic summer medal and he was disappointed fantastic what a great attitude to have it wasn't good enough but he was a bit like he was a bit like David in in 2004 in that he seemed to be the probably one of very few in the British team who just looked like he was having the time of his life you know he was he was living his dream to be there and it, it came out in his swimming you know rather than feeling pressure that I've got to know this is my moment I've got to do really well I've got to do really well he was just there to maybe not enjoy himself but you know he was enjoying the experience of being at the Olympics and it, it showed in his swimming he swam PBs in the 100 he improved through the rounds in the 200 and I was I was lucky that I'd managed to trade some tickets and pick up you know tickets on the secondary market and what have you to be there on that night um for the 200 breaststroke and you know Bob you talked about the atmosphere and the, and the volume I've never heard anything so loud yeah, really uh, as for me that. as that when when Michael was coming back on on Daniel Gierter in that last 25 and we thought that he was gonna that he could overhaul him and and you know agonizingly short by a couple of tenths or whatever it was at the end well I, I was hoping that we might have to get two medals in that because Andrew Willis made that final yes as well, he did didn't he? and, and he, he went with a really good time I'm thinking wouldn't it be great in this final to get both Michael Jameson and Andrew Willis in there Andrew was in there for the first hundred or so, and I thought, yeah, he's he's in the mix, and he it, it, it just faded away at the end, sadly. But um, but it was great to get two Brits into that final. And you're right, it was fantastic watching Michael do that. Um, you know, he's one of one of the most professional people, Sharon. I, th I think you probably agree that you've ever had to deal with from a media point of view. He knew what was required when he did the interviews. He, he he'd always be you know, very circumspect, but he'd give you exactly what he want, what you wanted. Oh. And he would get himself, I, I loved him with Michael because he was an utter pro. And incre just incredibly tough on himself though. Yeah. You know, he expected so much of himself all the time. Um, 
but they, they'd all become very professional at that particular time. They, they were all an awful lot better. At, but more media you know, training be, by that time, of course. Maybe. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know whether that whether it was just confidence inside the team, whether they were all a bit more mature, a bit older. Uh, you know, that makes a big difference as well. Um, I just think that I, I felt there was quite a big change um, at that point where they'd all become much better at being able to be more confident in front of the camera as well. You know, and, and when you're at the Olympic Games, it's the whole package. For me, you can't be a shrinking violet and then get onto a track or get into the pool or get onto a court and perform well. You've, the whole, you've got to be confident almost in every single stride of, of every single day that, you know, when you're at a game, you've just got to feel that you've got that in you and you've got to walk three inches off the floor somehow. But there were big expectations because it was a home game, so I think that got mm. to a few people as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think probably, unfortunately for us, something did get criticised, didn't we? I mean, you know, other sports, we had the most successful Olympic Games that we've ever had. I think we had 65 medals, 29 gold medals, extraordinary success at the home games. Um, but swimming didn't get anywhere near what they were hoping to get. But we were so close on so many. We were like the nearly games for us. Well, absolutely. I've just, uh, I've just added it up. And I think there were 12, 12, maybe 13 finishes between fourth and sixth. Yeah. So it was very fine margins, you know, between it being, you know, an incredible Olympic Games and it being, you know, just a sort of satisfactory one, I suppose, in terms of medals won anyway. Um, and overshadowed by how successful track was, you know, right next door and then gymnastics and, you know, all the other sports around us were being incredibly successful. And we were then not getting knocked, but, but people were asking why, why were, you know, why weren't we bringing home the bacon in the pool? Well, it was an inquiry straight off the back of it, wasn't it, as I recall? Mm. Was Do you ever think that swimming suffers from being in the first week? Um, you can either look at it as suffer or you can look at it as it being great that we're in the first week. You know, personally, I, I like the fact that we start on day one. If we started the same time as track, we would get no airtime. So, so I'm very <laughs> yeah. glad. Yeah, because here's the we, track and field <laughs> kicks in where swimming goes, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, much. we have yeah. to fight the BBC, don't we, Bob, to get, you know, swimming yeah. on the air once track and field starts. Um, I can't tell you how much we all fight the BBC to try and make sure that things make the air. Um, you know, and it's really, really difficult. And we're, we're now getting to that point where the swimmers have got a, a, enough of a profile because of, of Adam that we actually get, get priority sometimes now, but we never used to. You know, we really I didn't. suppose I, w I was thinking of it from, uh, you know, if we if we come off the back of something like Super Saturday, when everyone was so hyped and it was so exciting and, you know, I was, I was pretty convinced that I could have gone in there and won an Olympic gold <laughs> in whatever sport I chose because that's what everyone was doing. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that that kind of excitement and, you know, obviously we get that excitement at home games, but, you know, wherever that had happened, it would have been incredibly exciting. And I think you do get momentum from sport to sport at a big games like that. I would I'd just be interested to see, you know, if we had a, if we had a great day in some other sports and there was generally hype around if that would positively impact us in any way. But I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really good question, actually. I don't think so. It, my honest opinion is that you're so in your own sporting bubble, even though that you go into the Olympic, you know, hall and all the rest of it, what the athletes are doing doesn't really have much reflection on what you're doing in the pool because you're not connected. You know, you're not doing the same training. You're not in the same environment. They're doing their own thing and they're quite different from us. The same as the gymnasts are different from us. The same as the hockey players are different from us. So I think the confidence has to rub off inside of your own sport. For you to feel like the prep that the swimmers have had is great. So when, when Adam swims well on day one, we all go, 
oh, our prep, the swimmers, has been great. If some track athlete does a wonderful high jump, I'm not sure that's going to affect you feeling that your prep has been great. I mean, it's great to be part of that team, but I think the confidence of knowing that your, your taper, your teamwork, all of that has been really good as Team GB away on pre-training, everything has been right, has to come from the fact that you're on the same camp. You know, and so yeah. I, I, I like the fact that swimming's at the beginning because I think that helps us to get, get some profile and to get people bums on seats and, and watching. Yeah, but we switched it around. We wouldn't get on at all, would we, Sean? Because no, we uh, really track wouldn't. and field, they, well, you have to wait until the track and field finishes before you get on. Yeah. That's what it would be. But outside the, uh, outside the British performance, a uh, couple of uh, big stories. The big one, we've already mentioned um, his dad, but uh, Chad Leclerc against Michael Phelps in the 200 fly, a bit of a shock. But, um, Bert. Lovely Bert. Lovely Bert. Bit of a shock, <laughs> but perhaps, you know, perhaps the, the writing was on the wall. I mean, I, was, I happened to be, I was there on the first night as well. And when Michael Phelps came, fourth in the 400 IM which I know he said he hadn't really prepared for but you know perhaps told us that he wasn't the swimmer that he was four years previously Katie and uh, you know perhaps we shouldn't have been as shocked that, that that Chad beat him in the 200 fly. I think I was pretty shocked to be honest there's still <laughs> there was still an era a sort of aura of invincibility about Phelps uh, just because of you know everything that he's, he's achieved for so many years um, and there's <laughs> It's very difficult to say this without it sounding completely insulting, but there is an incredible professionalism about Phelps, which, and there is something, although he is one of the best swimmers in the world and an Olympic champion, there is something that can be incredibly amateurish <laughs> about Chad. And I think it might be the fact that he wears his goggles around his neck at all times. Um, but there's something kind of naive and I'm just doing my own thing and I'm having a lovely time about him. And yet he can just drop the hammer and turn around and beat Michael Phelps. It's, um, it, it's quite difficult to see coming when you see the difference in them um, just sort of around, around the pool deck. Andy I, Jameson is still appalled by the uh, goggles around the neck thing, isn't he? I'm Charlie? appalled by the goggles around the neck. I don't understand it. He mentioned it in every commentary when Chad comes out, he mentions it every single time. I would. It's I would. It's what you see at galas when when you're six. You put your goggles around your neck in case you lose them. You don't expect an Olympic champion to have his goggles around his neck for safety. I would. I would add into the into your your comment there the fact that he's constantly looking around, or in that race yeah. he certainly was anyway, looking around to see where everybody else is, you know, as opposed to swimming yeah. his own race. But um, he's a, he's a maverick though. We love that. You know, I think it's lovely yeah. to have swimmers that have that much personality and character. And he did exactly what all these young upstarts do. They just come in and they just shock you because you cannot predict what they're going to do when they are young and improving like that. You know, and Michael, you knew exactly what he was capable of and how professional he was and how consistent he is. But Chad, you just, you just couldn't guess. You couldn't second guess what the hell was going to go on. And, and that's what kept it, keeps it exciting when you have those young people. You know, Ruta Melatuti went in the, the, the breaststroke. Do your interview and Ruta couldn't say a word. And I've got the BBC court talking to me in my, court, in my ear going, this is the best interview, keep it going. And at that point, I'd asked five questions and she hadn't said a single thing. <laughs> but she couldn't we say anything. She just stood there with point. the mouth open. <laughs> and they're going, great interview, great interview, keep going. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I've run out of questions. And but of course, we, we claimed visual. her as well, didn't we? Because she was training in Plymouth, <laughs> yeah. so we, we claimed her as well, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, absolutely. Point, yeah. Of course we did. We were trying to blackmail her into swimming for us for the relays, weren't we, from there, that, that point on? But yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It was um, those stories. They were, they were great stories. I mean, things like that, from my perspective, on the side of the pool is like Eric the Eel. 
you know, in Atlanta and, and honestly thinking like I was going to have to dive in and save him. And you have these <laughs> moments in your that stick out that are a sort of Olympic history. And for me, that's And people forget Paula the trawler who was even worse. She only did a 50 and barely got to the end of the 50, did she? Or Paula? Paula the trawler? In, in Sydney, you remember her? <laughs> I don't remember Paula. <laughs> Paul girl. Can't see if you remember Paul the Trawler. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't. I remember Eric the Eel, but not, but not Paul the Trawler. <laughs> oh, poor Paula. <laughs> yes. Where was Paula from? I can't remember. She wasn't, wasn't from, uh, where was he from? He was from uh, Equatorial Guinea. Equatorial yeah. Guinea, that's right. Yeah. No. No, but she did the 50 in Sydney and barely made the end of the 50. And because he'd gone before she did, maybe, well, some people paid attention to it, but she, she's not remembered like Eric is. <laughs> that was another really interesting interview because the, the bee went, oh, you have to speak to him. And he spoke French and I don't, needless to say. <laughs> we just did this interview where I asked him a question in English. He said something back in French. I asked another one. I had no idea what he was saying. <laughs> but, you know, it went out. It was interesting telling. <laughs> well, for those of you listening, I will find out about Paula the Trawler and put, put some information in the I description. I wish you knew Let's... Uh, Let's move on from, from London then and to the most recent uh, Olympics in 2016 in Rio. Undoubtedly uh, the high point of, of Britain's Olympic history in recent times in the pool. Uh, if 2008 was the Rebecca Addington Olympics for, for Britain, 2016, I think safe to say the, the Adam Peaty <laughs> Games, Bob. Yeah, and I wasn't commentating on the swimming events in Rio, but I did go to pretty much every single session I could go to, including Adam Peaty breaking the world record in the heats of the 100 breaststroke, uh, which I was filming. I thought, oh, I'll just get a bit on camera. And there's and that turn, we're looking at the split and going, he's going to break the world record in the heats here, which he did. He broke the world record in, in the heat of the 100 breaststroke. And he thought, this boy is the real deal. Absolutely. First race he's ever had at the Olympic Games, and he does that. I mean, I think we've, we all felt confident, Sharon, going you know, to Rio that, that he was going to win. But if we ever had any doubts, they, they were dispelled in that heat swim, weren't they? 57.5, I think it was, in that Yeah, in that he is, he's the consummate professional. Um, you know, Adam just have this incredible team. Um, and I just think he just, he loves to get faster. That's the way he wants to swim. And, and he always puts everything out in the pool. You know, he doesn't leave anything in the change rooms. It is, this is what I'm going to do. And then I'm, each time I'm just going to get quicker and quicker and quicker. It's, it's a joy to watch him compete. And then at the same time, you had everybody studying his stroke. So as well as this mental toughness and this supreme confidence and this wonderful teamwork, there was the whole technical side of his stroke and how narrow and powerful it had become, you know, and everybody trying to watch it. And you could just see people trying to mimic what, what is he doing? But it makes him so fast and just seeing the rest of the world trying to, to copy and to put that into practice in the pool as well. No, I, lo I love it. I love watching Adam swim. And I just think he, he does bring something incredible to our team. And I love the fact that he starts early in the week because I just think that rubs off on everybody. And it's great when you get uh, the American media, Rowdy Gaines, the NBC commentator, with me on the bus going back to our digs uh, in Rio, just waxing lyrical about a British swimmer. You don't get the American media doing that, do you? And there's Rowdy wanting to talk about Adam, where he came from, what his training's like, who his coach is, trying to get all the lowdown on Adam, because he, he was absolutely enamoured and, and totally smitten, really, with, with what Adam was achieving. 
apart from when they steal him for interviews and then I get told off because I start swearing at people. We're <laughs> live. You know? like, it's our Adam moment. It's starting the whole of the British team. It's our first gold medal from the whole of the Olympic Games and American talent. And you know what it's like. They just go on and on and on and on. And I'm like chomping at the bit and they're shouting at me down my ear. Where is he? Where is he? And I'm like, they need to come to me first. So I had a big rag got told off in Rio. <laughs> Swearing at somebody. Not they for the first bring time. Bring Adam to me. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so and now that, we try to catch his eye. And if I can catch his eye, it's fine. But the problem is the Americans tend to grab them, you know, and they obviously right at the front of the queue. And, and then the other guy to avoid is well. the French guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, the, guy, the French guy grabs them as well. Because Euros, Eurosport, obviously, this is going to be the problem for you in Tokyo, is Eurosport are now the uh, main right, ho right holders yeah. and BBC a second. So you're probably going to be even further down the queue. Well, it is, yeah, it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, and the Brits are pretty good. The problem is when you are live and it's something it's so important to, as that is to the British audience, you want the whole thing to be fresh. And my difficulty is if Adam then gets stolen by three countries before he gets to me, he's already rehearsed everything he's going to say. So it's so difficult to get then to get that emotion to come out mm. in his voice because it just gets slightly less each each time. I'm trying to find something original to ask him that I will, you know, make him a bit more animated is the is is the secret sometimes. When he when he uh, drops a, a world record like that in the heat, Katie, do you um, what impact do you think that has on his rivals? I mean, they, he was a hot favourite anyway to to win that. Um, but you know, some people will be thinking, well, hopefully I'll have an off day or whatever it might be, and you know, maybe we can the pressure will get to him or whatever. But if he goes when he goes out and swims for time that no one's ever swum anywhere near ever in the heats, does that just do you think completely kill everyone else's hopes? I think when he does something like that, you know, and it, it's not just you know, I, you should never say just a world record, but I mean, he's he was just so far ahead of anybody else by that point. And sort of doing that in the heats and looking, you know, in his first Olympics where you, you know, however good you are, some people do get overawed by the occasion. You don't, you know, you don't know how that's going to affect someone. But for him to just come out, first ever Olympics, not remotely bothered, drop a world record. I think you pretty much know that, that there's no space for anybody else on that podium. You know, that, the, the first place is taken and now second and third are up for grabs. I think that's pretty much the effect that, that Adam Swim had. But I mean, there aren't. I th he is very unusual and you know as, as as Sharon and Bob have been saying there just aren't many swimmers who have that kind of wow effect and I don't think there was probably another performance in maybe a Ledecky performance but other than Adam I just don't think there was another performance in Rio that was like that that was that cut and dried well he improved his world record in the final 57-1 and he finished an absolute street ahead of uh, of everybody else so it was yeah, dominance. You know, I think he had a, he had a mental hold over the rest of the field, as you were alluding to, and uh, it was just you know, him and the clock and uh, 57-1, fantastic performance from him, and uh, hopefully something that we will see him repeat uh, in 2021 in Tokyo. Um, the girls did very well, Sharon in um, in Rio as well. Jazz Carlin. Uh, she yeah. won a she won a bronze in the eight hundred year before in um, at the worlds, um, but surprised me a lot actually with her performance in the four hundred where she took took a silver and then and bounced off that um, in the eight hundred to win another silver in two really good swims from her. Yeah, she did almost the same sort of thing as Becky, really, didn't she? She obviously couldn't beat Katie, but I think the two silver medals was as, was as good as she was ever hoping to get. Um, I mean, I know Jazz really well because Jazz lived in my house with me, so. <laughs> 
So when she needed somewhere to live, when she moved here to Bath, she came and she lived with me here. And um, they brought in her oxygen tent and everything was moved all over the shop. And so I felt like I owned part of that medal that I'd actually fed her and <laughs> kept her warm and stuff. And, you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a fantastic swim. And again, so good to see because she'd obviously had a huge disappointment from London. You know, she was expected to be in London and just doing really well. And then she got ill. And then to actually keep going all the way to Rio, particularly when you're an 800 meter swimmer, is very, very tough to maintain that endurance level of training and keep your body together and so on. So I think it was, it was, she was really do it. Um, she works great with Dave. Dave brought confidence to Jazz, which Jazz didn't always have. She didn't often believe enough in herself and Dave did that for her, which was great. And of course, Bob, Siobhan Marie O'Connor in the, uh, in the 200 IM. Uh, well, I think, I think I thought she could win a medal and I think she, I thought she could win silver. I don't think I expected the performance that she gave where she really had Katinka Hoshu worried to the extent that I think, yeah. I think Hoshu dropped out of another event. She was due to swim in the same session, mm. you know, off the back of Siobhan's performance in the semi-finals. Um, and whereas the year before in uh, Wellworth Wells, the year before uh, Kazan, um, I felt that she she tried to to beat Tinker and and suffered a bit and and you know lost silver and taken bronze as a consequence. In in Rio, she just you know she was absolutely at the top of her game and yeah was just pushing uh, all the way to that wall. I was getting flashbacks to Shanghai, actually the World Championships, in in twenty eleven, because it, it, she was swimming in a similar style with similar confidence and a similar look about her in twenty eleven to how she looked in twenty sixteen. Uh, and again, coming back to something that I referred to earlier on, sometimes you look at the person on the block and think, "Yes, you look like you're absolutely ready for this. You're in the zone." Uh, and she looked absolutely majestic on that day. And I'm thinking, do you know what? You might just be able to pull off something quite special here. Like she, she looked like she might do in, in Shanghai as well. So, so I wasn't actually that surprised because, because when she's on it, she really is on it. And she was definitely in, in the peak of her conditioning and her performance. And I think everything mentally and physically was right for her in Rio. Well, she had amazing Commonwealth Games, hadn't she, a couple of years earlier, where she was in doing everything and winning everything and just being very, very versatile. And the only thing that I was worried about with the Olympics was she's gone from being super versatile and being all over loads of events to doing what the Olympic, which what everyone has to do at the Olympic Games, which is to pare down to the thing that you're really, really good at. Um, and, you know, that 200 IM was just the perfect race for her. And, and I did think she could beat um, Katinka on that day. It, didn't quite happen but there was she was definitely in the zone she was in a great place um never quite been in exactly the same place since i don't think it was just an air of confidence again about siobhan which sometimes she doesn't always have well that was that was her day and you no know, she produced when it mattered you no know, the swim of her life so you know you've got to give her credit for it was that a brilliant race. and it was absolutely fabulous brilliant. absolutely yeah. fabulous another one and i love had... watching the medleys anyway because i'm biased <laughs> <laughs> but they're interesting, aren't they? Because you're moving about, you know, just slightly spanner in the work. Something can happen, something can change, get the pace wrong, whatever. Um, it's always an interesting race to watch. But since you were talking about previous Olympics and all the fourths, how many fourths did we get in Rio? Because I can think of, I can think of Hannah, I can think of Max, I think Fran was fourth, I think Andrew Willis was fourth, wasn't mm. he? 
How many fourths do we have in Rio? Well, uh, James Guy, fourth in the 200 free. Andrew Willis, fourth in the 200 breaststroke. Matt Stitchfield, fourth in the 400 IM. Uh, Let me see. Fran, fourth in the 50 free. Uh, yeah, Chloe a couple Tutton, of Russians that shouldn't have been in there. Yeah, it would have changed a few medals. Well, you yes, exactly. as well? 200 mm. breaststroke. That was uh, a really good, it was a, uh, it was a few. And Hannah Miley in the 400 IM. There are, yeah. So there were, what's that, six fourth places, seven fourth places, something like that. So, yeah, oh. another another lot of near misses. But there were two more medals. Uh, let's not forget on the men's relays. Uh, men's 4 by 2 Katie, a bit controversial in selection terms where... Uh, GB had picked, you know, seven 200 meter freestylers and then had to find somewhere for them all to swim um, when they got to Rio, which I know upset a number of people. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, Bill was Bill Furness was vindicated because they they came away with a silver medal. Yeah, and I think it it was one of those one of those ones where we felt that they had the potential, but it, I think the four by two really is some a, a race where people do come out of the woodwork and you sort of think, Oh, you know, on paper, we should be, definitely be able to get a medal on this. And it's an event we've been strong in for a few years, but to actually take the Olympic medal in a relay, which is, I think it's been a really long time since we'd done anything like that um, was, was incredible. And I think um, the men's 200 free is just so strong um, worldwide. It's quite, a, it is, it is a really, really tough fought one the gold tends to be a bit sewn up still. Um, but but I think, you know, we're, we're, we're making that gap smaller every year. I think we still have a good chance in Tokyo, actually, but we don't want to jump ahead too much. But you know, I think our <laughs> four by two is looking pretty strong, don't you, Sharon? And I think giving us another year, young Tom Dean, I think we, you know, yes, it's going to be good for us. It'll work for us, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> it's all very strange though isn't it this this whole thing at the moment how it's going to impact sport when everybody will get back in the water what they're doing at the moment um i still have worries that tokyo will or won't happen next year because i think what i find a little bit scary is are these huge major sporting events going to happen until there is a vaccine so that's yeah. and I, I just don't know I, I, and so i wouldn't i wouldn't bet my house on it right now <laughs> But um, I'm hoping it'll happen. We might get back to the old cycle of having the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics in the same year. Gosh, that, yeah, that would, yeah. The thing I have the most difficulty with is that the difference in how it's affecting people. And you know, I'll see. Uh, I saw a roundup on a on a swimming site the other day about those swimmers that have been able to find a pool to train in. And you know, you're in a you're in a hot place where everyone's got a pool. You can still keep a feel for the water. Um, is the Hungarians seem to be allowed to go to gyms and pools and train as usual. Um, and, and it's just not an option, you know, and then, then you see like the British swimmers who are, who are having to find ways and, you know, you obviously can't treat everyone the same. You can't ban all other countries from using swimming pools just because we can't, but it, it's such a difficult preparation for everyone. Um, and I think if I was still swimming, I would feel under huge amounts of pressure knowing that some of my rivals were able to train as usual and I can't it's really really tough and what yeah, would you do with something like Hannah Sharon where you know you you've said right this is gonna be your cutoff you want to do one more yeah. Olympic games now she's got to do another 12 months here which she didn't plan to do yeah absolutely and those are the people that are going to miss out and they will be there will be people like that all over the world who were going to have their last swan song at this Olympic games you know whether whatever sport they were involved in and will find it extremely tough to go another another 12 months. Um, no one can answer that question but Hannah. You know, Hannah is such a little terrier. She really is. 
uh, my heart breaks for her every single time she comes forth because there is nobody out there that deserves a, a you know an Olympic medal more probably than Hannah but it's just not happened for her and to be honest I'm not sure it will ever happen for her but if she wants to keep swimming and to get to Tokyo then I will, who's who's at anyone's business to say that she shouldn't you know that's absolutely her choice to make I think the great thing is now we're in a, a position where as a sports person in Great Britain you are a fully fledged professional athlete really because you are being paid by lottery so if you want to carry on um then you know you carry on what is waiting for her afterwards um i'm sure she's got choices and things lined up but actually these are still going to be the best years of her life so if you can go for another year and, and keep doing the work but i think that the likes of the duncan scots of the world you know one extra year will will be a benefit not a not a detriment and our uh, we were talking on the, on the podcast last time around about our four by two men well, by one male, I should say, with the, with the youngsters coming through, Jacob and 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 Max and Matt and people like that. Yeah. The, the, there's so many of our our, our 100 freestyle and women. I mean, Freya. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, was, you're right. I was putting money on Freya winning a medal this year. She mm. was my outside bet that she was going to surprise everybody and do something extraordinary. It wouldn't be a surprise, though, would it? Well, I think it would be. Which event, Sharon? You're asking me now. That's a tough question, isn't it? I think, oh, I think yeah. she's best at the 200. I think she doesn't know it, but I think she is. Yeah, yeah, no, she doesn't want to be. I think that's <laughs> she wants to be. Too much to be training. <laughs> we all want exactly. to be a 50 freestyler, don't yeah. we? And she's just moving here to Bath, so I'll be able to tell you, because I'll be able to get a sneak down and watch her a little bit more, because she's just going to start training with them um, with Dave. Great. Well, well, that one year delay will obviously have an impact on, on the shape of the team. Uh, that goes to Tokyo for Britain. I mean, we were talking about Hannah there. We spoke to her on the podcast in February, and uh, <clears throat> she did she did sort of imply that maybe this year would have been her last uh, last year, but, but with an eye on the ISL um, towards the end of the year, which of course is another uh, another factor that might keep keep swimmers in the sport, mm, uh, keep them in for that extra yeah. few months to, with the Olympics on the on the horizon. Um, hopefully, kick. Fina up the arse as well because that's what I would like to see IFL do. <laughs> You're never going to get on that committee show and you know that, don't Sorry, you? Sorry, <laughs> I've burnt all of those bridges over my... I don't care. I, I, that's the good thing is I actually... The only people I care about are the swimmers so it's fine. <laughs> but, but Hannah was, uh, was fourth in in Rio I thought for all the world that she was going to get on that podium and I think that was a, a yell that woke my household up at um, four in the morning when uh, or three in the morning whenever it was when she just narrowly fell short because like you Sharon, I was willing her just to, to finally get there, but uh, no, unfortunately she didn't. There was one other medal the last night of competition in Rio, uh, another silver medal for the men's relay, uh, powered by sorry, the men's medley relay, powered by a fifty-six-five split from Adam, but but three other great swims with it as well, of course. And they can uh, win next year as well. They can yeah. win next year. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got some. I mean, we, I was very excited for this summer, to be honest with you, and I will be equally excited for next summer. I'm sure we will get it back together again. I think it is a tough one, Catherine. I think you're right in the fact that some countries are still getting access to water. However, on the whole, even if they're getting access to water, it's not the sort of access that they really need to stay at the peak of their performance. So I think providing everyone is, is doing enough on land to keep their cardiovascular work going, you know, to keep their flexibilities going, to, to keep their strength and extension work going. Um, I think we've got so many great S&C coaches now that will be working with our swimmers and trying to come up with things that they can do, which will be maintaining as much as they possibly can. I think we'll see them bounce back fine. 
um, I don't think we'll be at a disadvantage come next year's Olympic Games. I think it will come down on a huge part to what you were talking about earlier with the mental edge. I think if you can be confident in the work that you have been able to do rather than questioning yourself about the work that you weren't able to do, um, then then it would it shouldn't be a problem. But I think, you know, you do get people who are less strong mentally and can talk themselves out of things by saying, you know, well, actually look at this point where it didn't go quite right. Um, but I think we're a different team to, and, and we're not, we're not like that now. I think people do see the positives and have a lot of pride and, and, and confidence in what they have been able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, uh, I think that probably uh, is a good time to uh, draw yeah. this podcast to a close. It's been a great conversation. One little update before we, uh, before we finally call proceedings to an end. Katie has been doing some detective work, Bob. It's uh, Paula the Crawler. Rather than not the trawler. trawler. I thought we oh. called her the trawler. <laughs> Poor Paula. I'm sure we call her the trawler. Though. I'm sure we named it. I, I think that you, was, Bob. That may you That may be a broadcasting <laughs> yeah, thing we, we call her. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she, are you sure it wasn't the trawler? I, well, I'm sure I, I mean, she's, she's, the trawler. she's a friend of Eric's, I think. According they, to... They, they Wiki- might be countrymen on women. According to Wikipedia, Paula the crawler... You know, my least favourite thing at the Olympic Games is watching somebody who hardly ever gets into a pool, right, mm. arrive to do the 50 freestyle from outer Mongolia, fall in. fall in, and the blooming officials <laughs> march them off the side of the pool. It's like, oh, for goodness sake, just let them go. It's like, that's my, yeah, my least favourite thing. And my most favourite thing, the trawler. Go on. Yeah, absolutely. My, she my did. thing is being where I am now, getting to talk to the swimmers after they've finished racing. And I am the most excited about the British team now than I think I've probably ever been. Yeah, me too. In all, all 11 Olympics, this is the most absolutely. exciting one, you reckon? Yeah, oh, that's absolutely. So this cool. is, definitely my most exciting time because I think we have such talent across the board in the men's and the women's such confidence we have a wonderful spearhead and um, I think swimming is in, in, in a wonderful place and I just hope we can get the profile for them that they deserve there will be more women though Sharon it's very much a male dominated thing yeah but we've got a couple of you know a couple of girls I, I mean yeah um, possibly Holly um, Anna certainly Freya <sighs> Anna's a tough one for me. No, Anna, Anna, Anna Hopkins. Oh, Anna. yeah, Anna, Anna yeah, Hopkin. Anna, and you know, and I think America really. Who's gone to Loughborough, I believe? Is that right? Anna's gone to. Has she gone yeah, to Loughborough? Yeah, to yeah. 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 The American yeah. thing has helped her with her confidence. Mm. You know, that racing loads, sprinting, 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 racing lots of different people all the time has given her some some little real personal belief, and and that will, will carry on up there with Mel. Well, all of that is to come in 2021 when the Olympics hopefully take place in Tokyo. Uh, I think we'll call it time on our, our look back over 20 years worth of Olympics and the, and the British performances at them. Bob, Katie, thank you very much for your contributions as ever. Thank you. Thank you. Sharon, it's been great having you with us. Thank you very much for joining us. Loved hearing all your anecdotes and recollections. Uh, really no, thank you. Thank you for what you do, especially on things like Twitter. I'm forever retweeting all your little facts and what you're up to. So keep going. More power to Elba. Well done, everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, so that's the end of this podcast. I uh, hope you've enjoyed hearing all of our recollections. Uh, if you want to get in contact, it's at Poolboy on Twitter, as uh, Sharon's just alluded to, uh, facebook.com slash UK, or you can go to poolboy.co.uk forward slash contact. Uh, until the next podcast, thanks for listening. You've been listening to a Poolboy podcast special. For more episodes, visit www.poolboy.co.uk slash podcast.